On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside another all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. Matt Robinson here with you in the studio, as the good lady said, uh, in beautiful Bytown, Canada. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. Hit us up there. Make sure you are subscribed or uh, following along on your podcast app. This is one of my favorite shows to do every year, a bit of a tradition we've had going on for a couple of years, and uh, we're happy to be back doing it in person as... Last year, with uh, with everything going on with COVID, we had to move it online, like uh, like so many other things. But uh, Andy Nita's back. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you uh, for having me back, uh, Matt. And it's uh, good to see you in the flesh. Yes. <laughs> um, like a lot of people, after this uh, pandemic, there's a little more flesh maybe than the last time you saw me. Put on a couple of uh, of beer pounds, but that's all right. We'll uh, we'll do this. Andy, of course, from the Nita Beer Company, a guy who I think you were on the f- for the first time in. Um, 2017, the Grey Cup was up here, and we asked you for, uh, you know, f- in exchange for a little promotion, talking about the brewery and some of the stuff you had coming up, we asked you for a little product, a little beer, and not only were you generous enough to give us some, you were happy to come in and, and drink some with us, too, so we always enjoy that. Uh, how are things going over at the brewery? Uh, they're pretty good. I mean, um, the business is, uh, it's pivoted, and uh, we're still operating um, as if we were in a pandemic. We haven't seen, like, a, a, a huge return of our our regular customers that would actually come to the 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 tap room sit down have flights and drink beer Mm -hmm. um we still haven't seen a a huge return to uh to restaurants um that's been pretty light but uh, we have expanded our market into uh, grocery lcbo's and beer stores so that uh, i mean those three channels there really kind of expanded our volume to what we'd lost with the walk up and walk in and uh with the restaurant. So, I mean, we survived. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. And uh, we'll get more into this, uh, the changes that are going on in the industry and stuff. But we always start in the same place. You've been nice enough to bring a couple pints again. Why don't you tell me about what I'm about to drink here? Uh, this is the uh, the first IPA that uh, we produced at uh, Need a Beer. Uh, it's our, our OPA IPA. And it's, uh, I would say it's, it's pretty much like a West Coast IPA. It's pretty traditional. We jam it full of all the you know, fancy sea uh, hops like Centennial Cascade, Citra, Centennials in here. Uh, has a little bit of a multi backbone. Um, and it's, I would say it's, it's quite well balanced, especially for being up around like 60 IBUs. Like mm-hmm. it's, uh, it has a little bit of a, 
uh, a hop bite to it, but uh, the sweetness from the uh, the caramel malts kind of takes most of the edge off, so it's uh, it's quite delicious. Yeah, this is one I always enjoy, especially in the summer, like a lot of things, right? Uh, IPAs always uh, hit a little nicer on those hot days. What would this say, uh, a 5% kind of neighborhood, is that... Ooh, uh, 6.8. So okay. We're starting big. Yeah. <laughs> you did this to us the last time. Rob was in here with us, obviously, when we did this two years ago um, in person. And uh, at the time, Percy Mapleton was new. Oh, and yeah. uh, you brought us a couple of those. It's a real nice porter. But you didn't tell us up front that it was a, it was carrying a little extra punch. And we sat here, and we probably had however many each before standing up at the end of the show. Going, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like feeling a little bit. So you didn't give us any kind of advanced warning. So at least I know going in this time uh, what's happening. Um, anything else new around the brewery instead of, uh, or in terms of pints? Obviously, we're going to talk about the advent calendar, but is there anything on the actual beer menu that's uh, that's new this year? Um, well, our two calendar beers that, that we put in, uh, and, and we do this every year, we always make sure that we've created uh, something unique. Um, so th- those are, are new. Um, I'm trying to wrap my head around. We have like 13 brands right now at the brewery. Um, so we've been busy with not having a lot of people come in. We don't have to really tend to our customers. Sure. I've had a lot more free time to, uh, to grind some beer through the, uh, the brew house. <laughs> um, our Perfectum Stout is back. I uh, saw that when I was over there the other day. I love that. Um, our Gooch Schmecken, which is uh, a new beer since probably the last time that um, uh, I was on the show. And it's kind of a fun one because like, we do uh, a brewed IPA. And what we decided to do was to make uh, like a brute pale ale. And that's kind of what the Gutschmecken is. We call okay. it a, a session IPA, but like the, the, the core recipe is exactly the same as Bijou, except for uh, a little less sugars produced, so the alcohol is a bit lower. Uh, so that's the second one we're having, and that's at 4.2%. So that's going to even us out from the first one. Okay. <laughs> and then... Um, Coast home a little bit, yeah. yeah and the, uh, the plan was to have like a, you know, a very dry kind of brute kind of pale ale. We have our uh, brute IPA, uh, which is, uh, you know, true to its, you know, now style. And then um, probably in January, I'll have ready a Imperial uh, Brute IPA. And the concept that we're going to try and create with that particular beer, and I don't think anyone else has done one yet, um, is we want to try and hit about uh, 10 or 11% and have it drink as any other uh, Brute IPA, being very light body, no bitterness, all big, nice hoppy flavors, and just deceptively easy drinking right. so that when I present that one to you for your first beer on our next podcast, okay. I should hopefully get you rolling around on the carpet after one. <laughs> so that'll be. <laughs> Will that be the strongest beer you've ever put out? Uh, the strongest beer we put out and it was in around 11% was the coach's challenge. Okay. That yeah. Was, uh, that was just a big IPA we released, uh, for a few years when we first got going, um, uh, I'm not sure why we haven't uh, brought that one back. It was a really popular one, but I, probably the, I'm always trying to do something new. So mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, maybe we'll just uh, bring back the name, but we'll right. change the recipe again. So I was over at the at the brewery the other day, a couple uh, probably a week or two ago now, I guess. But um, that was uh, you know one of the first times that I had used your your new patio. I'd been in once or twice to pick up some beers and and certainly have done some deliveries and stuff, but. Uh, You've kind of got a little patio set up out in front there. Is is that going to hang around for the winter? Are you going to leave that out for your hardier guests, or will that kind of dry up as uh, as the weather cools off here? Well, we really haven't had anybody on that patio. Even our um, uh, a 
a couple of our regulars that have chosen not to uh, vaccinate haven't been around to sit on it as the temperatures in the last week or so have really cooled. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to take it down because that'd be a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably take down sort of the uh, the sunshade so they don't collect snow. Sure. Um, we'll see what happens in the winter. I might get like one of those portable like little um, fireplaces. Oh, yeah. You know, and when the snow drops, maybe you drop some Muskoka chairs in there and, sure. you know, get some heaters going. It, it Maybe there's some uh, some value there for uh, those people that prefer the, the cooler weather. But uh, um, I think we'll try and pack most of it up. Uh, in terms of the furniture, and if people want to go out there, we'll accommodate them. Before we turned on the mics, and then again, you know, you sort of referenced as we were getting started here that the business model has changed a bit. Maybe there have been fewer people hanging around the brewery, but in the summer, have you, like, and when the weather is a little nicer, were there more people using it, or is it more just, you know, take the beer and and get out of there? Uh, You know, it's still, I would say, for the people that do uh, come to the brewery, yeah, it's kind of like a a grab-and-go. We still are doing a lot more uh, delivery than we are uh, seeing people come to the brewery. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're not disappointed in our our sales volumes. I mean, they're comparable to what they were last year and the year before. Like, we haven't seen anything dip. But it's just the way that now we're delivering that beer and 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 where we have to you how know, you sell interact the beer. with the customer and yeah because yeah. restaurants are still like pretty thin like yeah. if if you know we have six uh, you know pouring partners right now where before we had sixty right um, you know it's it's definitely a change and it, it's interesting because I mean we've uh, we've already lost one local brewery Waller Street uh, closed its doors and. Um, you know, one of the uh, the partners um, for the advent calendar, Junction, uh, maybe this will be their last, uh, you know, foray in the calendar because they've uh, filed for bankruptcy protection. Oof. So it's, and I mean, I'm sure there's other breweries that I, I'm i not as friendly with that uh, are in, in some some difficulty and maybe even getting ready to close up uh, shop. Right. Uh, and as I've crossed, you know, the the provinces, at least as far until, or as far as Hamilton, you know, to talk to some of our uh, partners in the calendar. I mean, they're all, they're all lamenting about uh, the, the impact that the pandemic's had. And, you know, it's, uh, for some, it, it hasn't been a, a great year or a good year, but it's a survival year and they're getting through it. So, right. well, I'm sure we'll see a little bit, uh, we'll see some changes in the, uh, the landscape in terms of who's here and uh, who's not probably over the next uh, short while, which is sad to see. Do you think that, you know, over the course of the pandemic, one of the things that changed was, was obviously the delivery. And you've said that that's kind of obviously helped keep you guys afloat. Do you think there's any chance as, you know, hopefully life returns to normal and, and whatever, have they ever taken that away? Or is that now a permanent part of the the business here in Ontario? Uh, I think we've, we've talked about it, uh, my wife and I, um, that we probably just would keep it going. Like, I mean, I don't see a reason to, to eliminate it because we're using, a an application where, I mean, doesn't matter who's getting beer. Um, you know, if let's say 50% are, let's say restaurants and 50% are, you know, uh, residential customers, um, it optimizes the routes for us. Hmm. Um, we get it done in a very timely manner. And so it's kind of a blend between businesses and, and residences that are getting the beer. Um, I think it makes sense to, to keep doing free delivery. If we're doing it for restaurants, why would we uh, discontinue doing that for, uh, you know, our, our residential customers? No, that makes sense. As they pay a higher premium. Sure. <laughs> you know? Sure, makes sense. Yeah. Um, what do you think then of this, you know, is is that... 
as you say that this has been a harder year for some of these breweries or a survival year, have they maybe not optimized as well or their product didn't lend quite as well to delivery or, you know, how come it's working so well for some and not for others, do you think? Um, I'm asking you to speculate a little. And, yeah. having, having had conversations with some breweries and understanding how they operate, I would say some of the things that I've observed is, is size. Size is going to be, a, I think, a, a determination of how well you're going to do. If you're too small, you're going to suffer, right? Because right. you're, you're not getting the people into, let's say, and Waller Street is a great example. It was a place that they wanted you to come and gather yes. and socialize, and people couldn't do that. Right. And if you're, if you're going to just, you know, send beer out, then it becomes a volume game. But then you have to compete with your, your product at the same price point as everybody else. Right, and they had a very small system, so you know now they're they're in a tough situation where they have to compete with other breweries, but mm. at a different price point where they're not making the margins. Right, um, you get into situations with much larger breweries that, uh, and even if we look at uh, Steam Whistle and Bose, like here's a speculation, but I mean you've got two enormous breweries. Yep, you know in Ontario now they've said that you know what we're going to share resources, so that. That says to me that, you know, we have to figure out how to cut or cut some costs because the cost of operating the way that we are independently without supporting each other is, is not going to be sustainable, hmm. right? And even with, with Junction, I mean, that's an enormous brewery, you know, and when you have, let's say, events, festivals, restaurants, you know, all that, all that uh, opportunity dries up for sale, you know, that now you're sitting on a huge lease, uh, yeah. huge equipment that you're paying for. I mean, it's just, it's impossible to uh, to make your ends meet, right? So I think size is a big thing. Um, I like to think that uh, we're in a sweet spot of a size. I mean, we're we're about 1,500 liter batch size. Right. And we can double batch that into a tank if we want, but normally we're just, we're half batching. Um, obviously, we had to change the way that we, we do business. We're much fewer staffed now than we were before. Um, I'm working longer days and uh, you, you have to make decisions in terms of what you want to do to be able to survive the pandemic. Right. Um, and I would say, yeah, I mean, if, if you're, if you don't have, let's say a, a good sort of, um, technological kind of background or at least comfort level, that makes it a little bit more difficult to sell your product because most people now are moving their product, uh, through the interweb. Yes. Is that what they call it? Sure. Um, but I mean, if, if you can't figure out how to navigate apps or, you know, set up a web page and, you know, uh, work on, on, on the web, mm -hmm. uh, that, that poses some challenges too. I remember, uh, looking at one of our partners in the calendar, I won't name the name because you know, I love the guy, but I remember when, uh, the Monday that, uh, Douglas Ford came out and said, all right, that's it. Everything's locked down, you know, can't go anywhere, do anything. Right. I mean, they had been hinting about it, you know, the week before. Uh, my wife, who does like a lot of IT services for Canadian Blood Services, mm. you know, and, you know, understands delivery, tracking, all this stuff, over the weekend said, I think we better get ready to do deliveries on Monday. And she'd set it up over the weekend. Wow. And it was, it was unreal. Because we were available and visible. Mm-hmm. Like things were great. We thought this is amazing. You know, we were selling a lot. And then we looked at some of our competitors to see what they were doing. And, and one of them was, okay, just, uh, give us a call yeah, and we'll tell you what we have Yeah, and we'll write it down. We'll, 
uh, Ashu will send a money request or you can send yep. us an e-transfer. And it's uh, that, I think, would have stalled a lot of your opportunity because if you weren't able to react quickly, people won't have the patience for that. I can speak to that. I was at a looking at a brewery just even this summer, and now we're we're over a year into this thing, and their website was still phone, and and we'll tell you what they have. they weren't doing the money order thing, um, but it was yeah, you phone us and we'll let you know what we have in stock. And it, I didn't know the brewery yet. I didn't know if I liked any of their stuff, and I just kind of went, ah, forget it, right? Like, and maybe they have the best beer in the world, but I'll never know because to me that just felt like a nuisance, right? And yeah, it, it, I hadn't really considered that if you got to be up early and, and optimizing how this is going to work for your customer unless, or they'll go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Andy Nita telling us the hard truth that most men have known for, for quite a while size matters, um, as, <laughs> as we carry on. Uh, I wonder, you know, it, it's been a couple of years now, but now you've since, uh, I guess I should say that mill street was purchased by Labatt. And I don't know, you know, it had been a while, maybe since they had been able to call themselves craft. They'd gotten pretty big. I, I don't know where you stand on on that definition or what's craft and what isn't. But some of these breweries that maybe are struggling now, could you see any of the big boys maybe trying to buy a craft property or two and, and maybe some of these people get out that way or, or are these more likely to go under than be swept up? I think that they'll, they'll likely... Uh get parted out by other craft breweries saying, well, I'll wait for the, uh, the fire sale. Right. Uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of, uh, in my sphere of, uh, brewers that I chat with, that's kind of <laughs> their thoughts on this. Uh, if you look at, uh, what's happened in the United States, when a larger brewery, you know, or a, a conglomerate says, uh, I'm going to buy a craft brewery. Well, the craft brewery they buy would be something like Sierra Nevada, mm-hmm. which is huge. Right. Right. We don't really have breweries like that. I mean, Bose is maybe close to uh, that size, like, but I still don't think that um, a, a big brewery is going to come in and, and buy it um, if if they're uh, they have challenges, you know, trying to, to figure out how to navigate the pandemic. Mm. I think most people, like, I think the larger big breweries, you know, would probably like. Uh, I hope they go out of business, sure, <laughs> you yeah. know, and I'll uh, I'll buy their material for, you know for spare parts for our stuff and hopefully get some of their customers back into us. Yeah. Like, I think that's the reality of it. Right. I, th- I think our, I think our craft beer industry here in Canada is still, uh, in Ontario at least is still maturing. Right. So I don't think you're going to see those large acquisitions. Right. Uh, there has been, uh, who was it? There was, uh, I think it was Ace Hill and another brewery in Toronto did a bit of a merger where Ace Hill was a contract brewer, wanted a location, I can't remember the name of the brewery that had the location was like, ah, oh, we're, we're, we're challenged in terms of trying to grow the business. So they said, well, Ace Hill, these guys, let's get together and we've done all the marketing and branding people know us. So why don't we work together? Now we have a legitimate location and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, now we can grow this together kind of thing and have a bit of a footprint. So it's, we see some of that stuff happening, like partnerships, you know, and same as with Bose and Steam Whistle. I think we'll see partnerships, not, uh, not takeovers. What's the nature of that? I hadn't heard about Bose and, and Steam Whistle. What's, what's happening there? So they've decided to, uh, I think Bose has, um, basically, uh, I don't want to say fired, but I think they, they've gotten rid of their sales force. Okay. And now they're partnering with Steam uh, Whistle, and Steam Whistle will now rep the Steam and the Bose brands. Hmm. Um, so they're they're sharing that uh, that resource that's held by by Steam Whistle. That's interesting. I hadn't heard anything about that. So uh, 
This is why we bring you in. You're plugged into these things, obviously. That's it, man. I got uh, ear to the ground. <laughs> I know what's going on. What do you think of um, well the original Steam Whistle? Did you enjoy it? Did you like you like it as a beer? You know, it's a it's a Pilsner on draft. Yeah. Um, I can think back when I used to be a, a teacher over at Algonquin College. Uh, we used to go on a couple of um, training sessions in Kingston at, I think, is that St. Lawrence? I can't remember. Anyway, there's a college there. And yeah, I they believe would, it's St. Lawrence. They would put us up in um, some of the instructors that were, you know, teaching teachers how to teach uh, would, would take us out in the evening and we'd went to um, a, a pub in the area that had steam whistle on on draft. And the the, the woman that um, was, was hosting us and... Man, I've drank a lot of beer, so a lot of my brain cells are eroded. <laughs> Can't remember her name. Her husband was a rep okay. for Eastern Ontario for, for Steam Whistle. And she said, if you're going to drink Steam Whistle anywhere, you drink it at this bar because it gets on a truck in the morning and it's on tap, you know, later that day. Hmm. Like, it's it's that fresh. Right. And it is. It's, it's, a, it's a very lovely Pilsner. Yep. You know? I think for me, and I'm sure like many people, that was my first taste. I used to just... I sh- shouldn't say used to. I still will take my dad's beer right when uh, I go down and visit him. He he was a Molson Canadian guy, so that was what I got my. That's what I drank for my teenage years, and and later on as I'm, st- the first beer I started to branch out with in terms of the craft world, if you want to call it that, like was Steam Whistle, and I think for a lot of people it was probably like that, right? Because it was it was out there and. But it wasn't too wild, right? Like you'd heard of it and you knew what it was. But for me, it was uh, that location right across from the Sky Dome. You'd go down to a Jays game, stick your head in, have a beer or two, and and carry on. So the location, I think, helped a lot too. The reason I bring them up, or I guess you brought them up, the reason I'm staying on them is, were you surprised after how long they stuck with just that one beer? That It seems like now they're more open to trying some some different stuff, which for a long time, I think their logo or their motto or, yeah, not their logo, their motto was something like do one thing really well or something like that, but they're starting to branch out a bit more now. Yeah, I mean, they they had a, uh, a project, um, I, I, I want to say Etobicoke, they opened another facility there, but maybe Etobicoke was a little too far uh, <laughs> west from where they actually built another facility, and uh, I think it was like Van Bugle or something like that. Yep. They, they yep. started that in... Um, you know, people weren't receptive to that, so they they felt the backlash of some of their earlier branding of Steam Whistle, I suppose. So they've turned that into a contract brewing facility now. So what they've um, done, and I think one of the brands is Fat Tire from yep. um, somewhere down in the U.S. I know, isn't it? Yeah, I just I for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the brewery, but oh, okay. so now they're they're basically you know repping that brand for them and uh, manufacturing that for them. Um, but this summer, like there was a steam whistle, steam whistle pale ale, and a steam whistle oh, something yeah, else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I never tried them. Um, just can't maybe keep making a go of it with the one, or just wanting to try something else. Like I know you don't work for Steam Whistle. I'm just curious because it was interesting to me. It's, well, I think the 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 reality is, and I mean we see this even as a small brewery, right? So uh, I make Opa. I love Opa. Uh, it has its audience. Um, and it still has a lot of room to grow because there's a lot of people that that haven't tried it. Right. Right. So I could hang my hat on this beer probably for a couple of a couple of more years once I figure out how to, you know, break into you know the the larger market. Like how do I get in people's faces? Right. Right. Um, but if you your steam whistle, you know, you've been around a while. You've you've had that pilsner. Um, you know, you're definitely you've saturated the market mm. as much of it as you can capture with that beer. Right. For all the money you've spent. To, to, you know, to do your sales and your ads and stuff. 
Um, and then people are going to tire of it because there's so much variety. If you look at, I mean, as soon as I make a new beer, I bring customers back. Right. Right. Yep. And every time I bring out a beer, like the, the social media goes crazy. People come, they buy beer, they, they order beer for delivery. Um, and you know, f- for me, it's like, I should get a new beer out every month, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty good at doing that. Yep. Um, but my wife said, well, you should really try and get a beer out every two weeks. Wow. Because if the, if the reaction from people is there's something new, I'm coming in and yeah, then I'm going to yeah. buy a little bit of the other stuff too, then maybe we need to do it every two weeks. Right. And there are breweries that do it. Like five paddles who are in the calendar. I love those guys. There's some of the, uh, I would, when we talk about what craft is, I would say I, I hold them, you know, to this high standard of th- that is craft. That's craft beer. Just because of how much they're willing to try and how they, experimental. They, yeah, they'll stand on their heads for you. Like they'll, they'll whip up some. Really I gotta say, well. I love those guys too. I grew up in Oshawa and I didn't know anything about, I haven't lived in Oshawa for a while, but they're in Whitby for people who don't know. Yeah. And they were in the calendar last year and they had this coconut cream pie stout. And to me, that's right in my wheelhouse. I like a dark beer. I like a stout. Um, and I like when you try crazy shit, right? I, and so to me, this is going to be weird. This is, but let me see what it's all about. And I really liked it. So I was down visiting my parents in the new year. Um, they're not too far from, from Whippy. And so went on and checked out and they had like four or five different stouts. Like the stout was their, their base, but they were trying all kinds of weird stuff on top of it. Right. That was, uh, I just like, oh, I'm going to try that one. I'm going to try that one. I'm going to try that one. Like I, I love that. Right. They're, it just seems like they're willing to just throw stuff at the wall and see what works. Well, yeah. And I think the thing that, uh, that I find that they're kind of like a kindred brewery is that, uh, it's, uh, Mike, Ed and, and Ian are the, the three remaining paddles of the initial five paddles. Okay. Um, I think the other two got thrown in the grain mill cause they were, you know, disruptive, <laughs> Uh, they were part of that, uh, that creative, uh, beef blend beer that they did. Oof. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I mean, these are three guys, they gave up their day jobs, they're fully vested, they're brewing the beer, they're fixing their equipment, they're renovating their own, you know, place. Like everything that gets done there is done by like these three guys. Right. You know, and, uh, similar to, to our brewery, I mean, you know, if, if the toilet's broke and he fixes the toilet, you know, if. <laughs> You know, I'll wash my hands in on the beer. <laughs> you know? But, uh, I mean, I'm brewing the beer. I'm fixing the equipment. Uh, if we're doing, like, small construction projects, you know, I'm there after hours doing that and trying not to fall off a ladder because I've had too many beers. <laughs> you know, it's to me, that's that's the essence of craft, right, is, is saying, yeah, sure, it's good to have a lager. But at the same time, you want to have, like, some interesting beers too. Like, mm-hmm. be creative, break the mold, not worry about... You know, oh, well, if I make this beer just the way that the style sort of dictates, yeah. maybe I'll get an award. Right. Who cares about those? Awards are for people that feel like they, they, they need validation. Yeah. You know, um, craft beer should be more about being innovative, having fun, you know, and, and, and that's why I like those guys at the paddle, you know, and I think that's what we try and do with our brewery. For sure. And the one that stands out to me the most is I, like I said, I, the steam whistle would be the first one that I tried that was kind of outside the big, whatever, two or three. But up here, when I first really started getting into the craft stuff and wanting to try it was your, uh, Mr. Brown has gone coconuts, which I loved. And I, again, I'm sort of like, this is, as I'm looking at it, I'm like, this is going to be odd. Like these don't seem like they should go together. And I love that beer. I know I'm buying it all summer. I'm taking it. And I, I won't lie to people. Like, I, 
it was controversial at the cottage. People loved it or they didn't, right? Like some people just didn't want coconut in their beer and whatever, but I, I couldn't stop taking those down. And so you mentioned there, it's, it's the new beer that bring people in. You, you guys put out on your uh, social media there a couple of weeks ago that you had this new Lunenburg Harvest Ale. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I haven't been over there in a while and I haven't tried out the patio. So a friend and I walked over from here. It's not too far. I grabbed a couple of those because that was what I wanted to do, but now I'm back there. So yeah, I'm going to grab a couple Percy Mapleton. Yeah, I'm going to grab a couple of, of Mr. Brown. Like it, it's the new one that brought me back, but then you load up on the stuff you also know that you already like. You kind of already have this relationship with the brewery. I hadn't really considered that the more often you keep churning out something new, maybe the more often I make that walk, right? <laughs> like Exactly. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the brewery trying to do its uh, best to get people out and exercise, really. Sure. You know, that's the <laughs> Walk off we those come, beer pounds. Yeah. That's why we keep introducing new beers, to keep you fit. <laughs> I appreciate that, for sure. Yeah. Your concern for my health is, uh, is admirable. Why don't we talk a little bit about the calendar? Because um, that's the reason we've had you in. I, uh, this year, I can't remember how many I ordered last year, but it was five this year. Uh, a couple of them off to uh, to family members and, and friends and stuff that uh, we just made the order together. And so your poor delivery guy showed up here and uh, yeah, we had to, to lug them up here. <laughs> but uh, they're out the door. They're ready to go. Um, the cool part this year, and, and maybe you can tell us the, the genesis of this, is that, and I haven't opened mine, so I haven't peaked. So I, I, I know what you've done, but I haven't seen it for myself. So you'll correct me if I'm wrong. But it sounds like the labels on each beer have been removed in favor of a barcode that you scan and that tells you what you're about to drink or what you just drank or however people want to handle that. Is that right? It's, it's, yeah, it's, that's pretty close. It's, uh, my wife came up with the idea, um, because what we wanted to do is actually get people to take the box, open it and put all the beers in the fridge. Right. Right. Cause it's a lot harder to put a two, four box yep. or flat a beer in, but if you get those beers, you got a couple in the lettuce drawer, you got some over there in the meat drawer, a couple of stuff, <laughs> you know, behind yeah. like the yogurt and the milk, like sure. you can get them all in there. You'll find a way. Yeah. And the reason is, I mean, with all the different craft breweries and all the different sort of creative ways that they're, you know, they're crafting their beers, um, you know, the, the best way to preserve the, uh, the, the essence of the beer that they want you to enjoy is to keep it cold. All right. Right. Now, temperature is not great for beer, especially craft beer. Um, so it, what we thought is that people still want that surprise. They want to have that kind of day-to-day adventure, not know what they're going to get until, yeah, you know, look forward to they, it. they yes. pull it through the little door in the box. Right. Um, so we went to all our uh, craft brewery partners and said, hey, listen, here's what we want to do. Just give us your logo. Give us some of the beer details. Um, all the stuff that's required by law is on the labels. Mm-hmm. But uh, the beer style, the, the beer name... You know, uh, none of that is there. So you, you don't really know what kind of beer it is. Right. You might know what the alcohol level is. Right. You know, you know what the volume is. It's the same for all the cans. Sure. But that's about all you're going to get. And uh, we put a QR code that you can scan. Uh, and then on the day, it will reveal what that beer is. Um, if you're a bit of a Luddite, but you can still get onto a web page, uh, <laughs> We will have a blog where you can go on to uh, the daily uh, blog and then see what, what that beer is. I think the other fun thing, and, you know, it, my wife and I chose all the beers, like, and we asked a lot of the craft breweries to, to come up with some options and, you know, we'll, we'll pick a, you know, what we think will sort of, you know, curate, you know, a, a balanced calendar because mm-hmm. we don't want it to be like 
stout heavier, IPA heavier. You know, we want to make sure we got a good. I'd be fine with that. (laughs) There are some people, yeah, that would. Next year, you can make Matt just the the stout calendar. (laughs) That's it. Twelve, twenty-four stouts. Yeah, twenty-four breweries down. Um, so. So it's important for you to be able to say we already have this many IPAs and we already have this many. Yeah, and uh, I remember and we did this in September and we have a spreadsheet and I haven't looked at it since we said, yeah, these are the beers. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I could tell you what my two beers are, but I've I've forgotten already what everybody else's beer is. And I mean, I've, of course, I'll have a calendar. Yeah. Um, for me, what I'm going to do is, you know, I'm going to drink the beer and then I'm going to try and guess what it is. Okay. With with a couple of uh, friends, we'll sit around and sip it, and we'll see, and then we'll look at the blog. Yeah, you know, we'll make a game of it, and whoever's right doesn't have to drink, <laughs> you know, and then whoever's wrong has to drink something. It'll be something terrible that will make them drink. You know, it's you know Tabasco sauce and uh, Frangelico. <laughs> you know, what'd you get? Is it, I, I guess you know I, I've I've had that similar conversation with a friend of mine who's also got one of these that. What's your approach? What do you want to do? Do you want to look it up, find out what you're about to drink, and then get into it? Do you want to have a sip first? And they go, oh, that's interesting. And then as you're enjoying the rest of it, look it up. It sounds like you're going to go all the way through it before maybe looking it up. I think that's another fun element to this, right? You can kind of do whatever you want to do in terms of... But I, I do like the idea of it remaining a surprise as you're loading them into the fridge, right? And you're not seeing the living... Oh, I already... Now I know what I'm having on the third, right? Which was sort of a thing before... I guess the only question I, I would have about that or, or wonder if there was any pushback on did anybody have concerns that their label was coming off of it, right? Like that, that maybe you wouldn't notice it walking through the LCBO or the, the grocery store because you haven't actually held the, you know, you remember you really liked this one, but that whatever distinguishing feature might have been on the can isn't sticking with you the next time you see it. Uh, no, it, it, we've, um, no, there was no blowback. No. Um, uh, all the, the craft brewers like thought that this was a pretty novel idea. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, largely, you know, my discussion with them is, is that we're really encouraging people to keep these, these beers cold, right? And yes. They were all pretty stoked about that. Right. Uh, and you know, they, we gave them the labels. We said, here's the finished label, like that we've put together with your logo and we've asked everybody for feedback and we got, uh, you know, constructive criticism back and we made the changes and, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, all the participating breweries were, were pleased with the final result. And, um, you know, I think what's uh, important for most breweries is that, that brand recognition, right? And they got a big honking, you know, logo for the brewery on the label that, uh, you know, and the, the other nice thing about the labels that we chose to use with the, the company that we did you can peel them off like they're a, um, a PVC type label mm-hmm. and uh, they stay on the can beautifully, but they also can be peeled off the can quite easily. Okay. Um, and then they can preserve them if they like it. Sure. If you've got your favorite brewery, you can take that sticker and put it on the ceiling over your bed and wake <laughs> up and go, oh, there it is, right? <laughs> That's an interesting spot for it, I suppose, but uh, you're very passionate about your beer. I, I won't question what you uh, what you like to do or where you like to put these <laughs> things. Um is there been much turnover this year? You've mentioned in past years there were certain breweries that you wouldn't do this again with because the volume was too much for them, or you would have you had to take over doing a couple things for them. Is there a bunch of turnover from from previous years, or was last year's group pretty happy to return? What's kind of the the return rate look like this year? Uh, there's three breweries that didn't come back, and um, um. 
I would say one was a uh, quality uh, issue. Um, uh, the two others were uh, we we couldn't we we love working with them. We just couldn't um, come to an agreement about what beer they wanted to submit okay. and at what price point. Right, like we were. Across the board, I mean, everybody's beer prices had gone up, but some some of the beers from some of the uh, the applicants or the partners we'd worked with before, they were they were a bit high, and we were trying to just wrangle the cost of the calendar. And considering that, you know, it's we've all been affected. Every brewery's been affected by uh, supply chain issues, and I know everybody says uses that as an excuse, <laughs> um, but. Like you look at uh, if you're using cans from Ball, like they had a pretty significant uh, increase in in their 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 cost per can, whereas we use Crown, and uh, typically we're paying around eighteen cents a can, and I haven't seen any change in my price. Okay, right. Um, hop prices depending on the hop varieties that you're using and depending on where they're grown like obviously we're we're living in a, a an interesting time when it comes to climate yes. uh, some areas got hammered and uh hops have you know not really produced hmm. you know for farmers so now you've still got a demand for hops or at least of certain varieties and you know there's not enough to go around you know what happens price goes up yep um I was for the last couple of weeks. I'm part of a thread of Ottawa brewers, and we're all complain or ask, you know, for assistance and, and things. And it, you know, one of the things they've been talking about for several weeks is like how their cost of grains have gone up. So they figure, well, why don't we just start using the grains from some of these new local suppliers? I think there's one out in Armprior, maybe. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the cost, you know, uh, the benefit of all of that. And I was like, what were these guys talking about? Like. I haven't seen my grains go up. And so, and I'm looking, I looked at uh, a grain order I put in about four weeks ago, and this is about a week or so ago. And uh, for, let's say, two row malt, which is our base malt, like that we put the most of that in the beer just to make the sugars so you can have your alcohol and feel great <laughs> at the end of the day. It had actually gone down from January of this year. It had gone down about 85 cents a bag. So what the hell are these guys talking about? Yeah. And so this week, I was talking to my wife about it on uh, Sunday, and I said, I don't know what these guys are yapping about because like this looks pretty good for us. And no sooner did I was like, what are these guys talking about? On Monday, I got an email from our supplier. Uh oh. And for a thirty-one dollar bag, that's twenty-five kilograms of a two-row malt. It's just jumped up to thirty-nine dollars. Okay. And uh, I like using, in a good number of our beers, uh, a German pale wheat. And normally it was around uh, $43 a 25 kilogram bag. And that's jumped up to 54 bucks. Mm. So we're looking at an, like 25% increase yeah. across the board on grains. But I mean, it doesn't mean you're going to see a 25% increase in, in the beer. Um, but it's, uh, it, yeah, it's that, that's happening, right? So with, with all these things happening... You know, and all their prices going up and they're real. And I mean, the grain one's one of those things too, like North American grains are what the, the, uh, that, that, uh, that malt getting sort of a really bad growing season, not so much in Canada, but more like in, in, in the United States, 
that's affecting all grain prices. Doesn't matter where they come from, right? right. Because now there's just where everybody's screwing around. Where do I get, you know, my grains to make beer? Um, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting. And we had a lot of breweries saying, okay, well, you know what? What I'm going to do? I'm going to start making seltzer now. Right. Okay. You know, and uh, now the AGCO, and we never did. I, I'm a brewer. I drink beer. I don't care about all these other things, but I understand why other uh, breweries would look into, you know, making hard liquor or making hard seltzers or doing kombucha or making soda. Right. Like you've got this equipment and if people aren't buying as much beer, might as well leverage that equipment and make something. Sure. But uh, now, uh, even if you're using uh, beer grains to make your seltzer, the AGCO has got like gone and said, Oh, you can't make seltzers. We don't understand what it is. So stop doing it. <laughs> right. So it's now these poor guys are like, well, I was just, this was selling really well for us. Yeah. You know, this was, this was helping our business and, uh, and now they don't know what to do. But, uh, I think what, I think what, uh, uh, OBC is going to have to do is explain what seltzer is to the AGCO as the lobby group for brewers in Ontario. So that's the Ontario Brewing Coalition or whatever they're called. They, they need to sort of step up and say to the AGCO, like, this is what it is. I got a second one here I'm going to crack into. Tell me about this one. Well, if you're doing that, then I'm just going to, I just have to finish mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gooch is, um, it's kind of like a, a brute pale ale uh, instead of an IPA. It's just a little bit lower alcohol, oh, but the same, nice. yeah. the same uh, uh, concept as, uh, as the brute IPA where, you know, you're, you're, you're taking your, your beer and, or your wort, you're fermenting it to the point where the, uh, actual body of the beer has the same gravity as water. Hmm. So the mouthfeel is very light. Yeah. And then you pump it with a bit more CO2 to get more effervescence to lighten it even more. So I, I love the brutes. I think it's a all... All year beer for me because they uh, they're they're smooth, they're easy drinking, and they they can really capture a lot of um, those great hop flavors, right? And you're not getting any bitterness from them because you just use them for the the flavor side of things. And uh, man, they're they're smooth and they're fun. So yeah. this is our pale ale version of our brewed IPA. So where, what's the story about this name here? This is quite the name you've got on it. Oh, Gutschmecken. Yeah. You know, you'd think I'd uh, be able to speak better German than I do. <laughs> well, because we also had the uh, Hans and Die Hosen the uh, last time you were in. That's... Well, my dad's a German, right? Okay. So um, my mom is not. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, uh, I've always thought like, uh, I, I speak a little bit of, of German, but not enough to, to carry a conversation. I can understand more than I can actually put together right. a sentence. And I always thought like German is such a fun sounding language, you know, and I mean, gut schmecken, right? It just means taste good. Yeah. Right? That sounds okay. hilarious. Yep. And uh, this is one of our better selling beers. And when we sell this to licensees and stuff like that, and they have a beer fridge, people go, I want that one. You know, and for people that can't see the label, it's just a happy face on it. Like a, <laughs> there's like this orange circle with two black dots for eyes and then a little smiley face with a, like a tongue sticking Like out. the classic emoji. <laughs> yeah. And uh, people are like, I want that. So. Why wouldn't you? It looks like fun, right? It looks like a good time. Tastes great. Yeah. So, yeah, good schmecken. There'll okay. be more German names to come, um, <laughs> you know, but Hans and de Hosen is kind of a tribute to my, my father. My, my dad's name is Hans. Mm -hmm. And when we, uh, came up with a name for that beer, I was actually drinking with my, my, like my buddies who he's full German. He speaks great German. And I said, I had this problem where I'm trying to come up with a name for the lager 
and I wanted to give a, a tip of the hat to my father. And we were releasing this in the summer, and he just goes, Hans and the Hosen, you know, and, you know, it means Hans in his pants, <laughs> which I loved it because it's like, well, just think of ants in your pants. Like, yeah. does that always happen when you're at a picnic? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. See, there's always a, a little story behind these, uh, behind the names. And that, to me, sometimes that's half the fun of, going into a craft brew and like, what is that? Like, what, where does this name come from? Right. Or, and sometimes like I, I, I'll, I'll have a little, if I'm going into the LCBO or the groceries, we had a, a month or so ago, a couple guys in to break down, um, a UFC card. So they're craft beer guys. And it was one of the first shows we had done since we started letting people back in the studio and there was going to be a couple of them. And so the studio was going to be a little full. And I saw this beer at a Sarnia, um, the brewery's escaping me now, but, uh, the beer was called van full of weirdos. And I was like, to me, this, this fits the occasion, right? We're having a group back in the studio is going to be full. We're going with the van full of weirdos. And I don't know. I, I just like when they're kind of fun. Right. And there's, I, I'm sure there's a story behind that name. I've never met that brewer, so I, I don't have it. But to me, that's half of the fun of, uh, of the industry is knowing, I wonder where that came from, right? I wonder what that's all about. Well, the number one selling IPA at the LCBO right now is a Juicy Ass. Yes. It just, the name the name itself. Like, Somebody's like, I got to try that. I got, even if you're not a craft beer person, you're like, that's, yeah. what is that all about? <laughs> yeah. So let's put some Juicy Ass in my mouth. <laughs> um, you mentioned there before we fired up the show that uh, there are still some calendars available. Um you know, you sort of speculated before we fired up the mics, but I do want to let the good listener in. Like, what are your sort of thoughts on, um, you know, last year it was sort of sold out by now. It seems like they're going well this year, but they're not totally sold out yet. What is the, uh, you know, do you think it's the cost? Do you think it's the world we live in right now has changed for so many people? You know, what's... Uh, I, I think, you know, and I'm chatting with this about, with this with our investors, with my wife. Um, I think there's at least the ones that we're considering, like, uh, I think there's, there's more, uh, variety available. Like we have competition now. Um, I think the price, uh, may cause people to shy away. I, I think last year was around 125. Now it's like 148. I mean, even when it was 125, you know, you'd, you'd get a little bit of feedback. I mean, we sold out 1500 pretty quick yeah. and maybe a dozen people were like, well, that's a little expensive. Don't you think? And I was like, well, you know, there's 1,488 people don't think so. Right. So, <laughs> and we're trying to put uh, as much money as we can into the hands of the brewers, the yep. participating brewers, right? We don't, we want them to get as much of that retail price that they would sell it through their shop for. And if you actually um, stop and do the math divided by 24, plus the work that's gone into putting it together, it's really not as, you know, I, I get it, 148 bucks, you kind of go, oh my God, goodness. Like it does seem, but then when you step back and actually do the math, you're like, all right, like... Well, I always say, and I, I don't know, I'm pretty sure I said this last year. I say it every year, and I say it to everybody that says that, you know, it's a little bit Toya, uh, Toya uh, expensive. Okay. Um, if you had to drive to each of these breweries, yep. because the only way you're going to get these beers is if you go there and get it, because the, the beers in the calendar are not available through any other sales channels. The money you would save on driving around and staying at hotels, you should mm -hmm. probably buy two. Right? True. <laughs> and there's an experience that goes with it. Like I've done this with friends before. Rob and I always do it on the show, right? Every time we do a show, 
we'd like to have a different beer for the month of December, that's taken care of. Um, I got family members and friends doing it now. So there's a group chat that's, you know, every night, what, what do you think of that one? What do you do? There's more to it than just going down to the LCBO. Maybe like you wouldn't grab a few different ones to try this. This comes prepackaged. It's been, as you said, it's been curated and there's an experience that goes with it. And, and the novelty of the, you know, it being that, that kind of advent calendar experience, but for grown men that I, I've heard people say before, and I know they're going to love this QR code, that it's a bit of a bummer or that to see as you're putting it in the fridge, the next couple, right? You're almost trying not to look at, or I got one buddy who says he has his girlfriend put them in the fridge for him because he doesn't want to know what's coming the next day. So I think, you know, this extra little thought or this extra effort that went into the QR code this time is again, it's another addition to the experience of doing it, which is part of this, I think. And I, I agree, yeah. you know, but I mean, it's still, you know, you kind of wonder um, why we're seeing slower numbers. And I often, you know, worry about some of our customers that maybe bought it last year, you know, had they purchased it last year because they still had a job, right? you know, like you think of a lot of the industries that have been affected, mm-hmm. like even just the tourist industry. You know, your pilots, your stewards and stewardesses, and, yep. you know, all the people involved in the tourism industry, you know, they could have been a large component of our, our sales, right? So, I mean, I can't, I can't, you know, gripe and, you know, moan. No, we live in a different world now, you for know, sure. It's, uh, it's, it's selling well, um, and, you know, uh, we're doing good business, and we're, we're generating a lot of, you know, new sales for, you know, our, our, our partners in the calendar. Yeah. But I also think too, like during the pandemic, one of the things I did is I spent more time being physically active. Right now, you wouldn't, you know, tell by looking at me. I probably also started drinking more beer. And maybe right. the, the exercise a was kind of like yeah. uh, I better do something. Right, I got to stay at calorie zero here. <laughs> uh, but I suspect too that some people during the pandemic, if they were told to work from home, they're like, well, pardon me. That they thought, well, if I'm sitting a lot and I'm idle, well, maybe they'll get, they, they got active. And I right. think that there's some truth to that mm-hmm. because if you look at, and I'm a huge mountain biker, like try and buy a new bike. Right. Like it's, you cannot get them. No. Nope. Right. So a lot of people have gotten into, you know, some maybe new measure of fitness and maybe they've decided that, well, maybe I can do without so much beer. Yeah. Right. So they're, they're making lifestyle changes. So sure. I think there's some, some component to that as well. And maybe a lot of other things that we don't even realize yet. Right. So. Yeah. It's funny, I got a, a friend of mine who's on this show fairly often. She's a, a Paralympic athlete. So she was just in Tokyo there a month or two ago or whenever it was. Um, and her gym shut down. And so she had some gear at home. She had a, a treadmill and stuff like that, but she needed more now that she was going to be training from home. Well, so did every weekend warrior and every whatever decide, well, since I'm going to be stuck at home, I'll buy a, you know, a a weight kit or a, a bike or a whatever, like you said. And, and she said she couldn't find anything for her home until about six months into it. And that all started popping up on Kijiji again. <laughs> People yeah. like, okay, I didn't stick like, to that. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens, right? Um, but even outdoor stuff, like my dad, he's a bit of a, a handyman. Like he, he likes to, to putter away, has different projects. He's got a wood shop, couldn't buy lumber. Lots of people were building decks, right? You couldn't buy new lawn chairs anywhere. You couldn't, just people decided to upgrade. If I'm not going to upgrade my own body, maybe I'll upgrade my home or it, the, the world just, the weirdest things when it shut down suddenly became, you know, there was no 
oh my god, the supermarket's empty. I'm not going to be able to get food. It's I can't buy a bike or I can't buy a I can't get a, those things to keep my half-eaten avocado fresh. <laughs> right. There was a surge of on those as well. Um, no, it's true. Um, it, it's it's just a different world that we live in this time. So, you know, I, I ask you every year when you come in and do this, and, uh, you know, you can choose to name the beer if you want to or uh, or not, but give us one or two kind of something to look out for in this calendar or, you know, that you're going to find that, you know, I know it might be hard without giving out a name or a, or a brewery, but, you know, something's going to happen in that first week that you're not expecting or, you know, this this one's going to catch you off guard. Anything like that? Um, it's, it's hard to, to speak for everybody else's beers because like I said, we, we chose them in September. I've already forgot like what everybody else was, sure, right. was putting in there. Um, I could speak of one of our beers sure. and I, I brought it. That's the unlabeled can. Okay. <laughs> Is this the one you may not remember when I was in there the other day, you were telling me about one that got me all, all, all excited. It was pretty, that's, was, that's the one. And I okay. do have, I have some keg stock. So if you enjoy it, yes, we can okay. get that on your tap. All right. But it's very limited though. <laughs> okay. Um, but so, I, I, it, so I can't release this until I make the order. Cause I don't need other people getting in my way. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of the things that people can sort of, uh, and I don't know if this was in good or bad taste that I did this, um, when we were designing the labels and some of the breweries, well, one brewery specifically was very excited because they were the 19th. Mm. Um, so we had to have a little placeholder to put the date. And so we decided to do like a snowflake. Okay. Put the date in snowflake. Yep. But I decided to make the snowflake look like a COVID uh, virus. A spiked Whatever, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So the snowflakes <laughs> looks like a little COVID virus. And a lot of people picked up on it. Like, was like is, is that supposed to look like the COVID virus? And I was like, yeah. I thought, you know, people might think that's humorous. <laughs> I do. You know, but yeah. we'll see. I'm yeah. sure there'll be blowback. But, well, there'll uh, be some people who won't even notice probably too, right? But, um, well, I can say I can say this. I think okay. most people, if they're they're doing what we suggest that they do is – take the beer out of the box and put it in the fridge because mm-hmm. you don't know what it is anyway. Yep. Uh, it's common good is uh, the 19th. And when I was talking to Ajit, who is, uh, he's actually a wonderful guy. Like They're in Oshawa, aren't they? They're uh, in Scarborough. Scarborough. Okay. Scarborough's only crap brewery. Mm. And they make great beer. Like they, and he was a wonderful guy. He, uh, because we had a lot of like, uh, well, not a lot. Ottawa's still pretty much the meat and potatoes of this pack. Sure. But for all the, uh, the out-of-towners, the, the Toronto and the Hamilton area breweries and everything in between that. Uh, he was super cool and uh, said, we can warehouse the beer there so I could just come and pick it up. So it just made me going down, grabbing the beer and coming back a whole lot easier. And then when I would go and visit him, I'm like, I mean, he'd be like, here, try this, try this, try this, try this, try this. And I was like, okay, now I'm going to have to stay over. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but they have, they make really, really nice beer. He's a lot of fun. Um, I mean, if any of your listeners are, are in the area of Scarborough or Toronto, they should go check it out. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty interesting facility too. They, he has a brewing system that is enviable. Really? Like, eh? Yeah. I mean, if I could stick it in my truck, I'd murder him for it. But uh, <laughs> it'd be one of those super hard to steal. So he sure. gets, he gets to live. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had a few of their beers before. It's always been, uh, been pretty good. Right. Like, and this is one of the things, um, you know, as I end up off the brewery here, this happens on the show all the time, tirades and tangents and, and whatever else. That, you know, I have people say to me all the time, like, what is the point 
of sampling and experimenting with all these different, every time you see a new beer somewhere, you want to try it instead of going with the one that you already know you like, right? I've, I can't tell you how many hundred beers we've probably tried doing this show. And I do use that untapped app occasionally to keep track of the ones that I think are like really noteworthy or that I want to remember that I liked this one. And, um, but you know, as a craft beer guy, as a craft brewer yourself, do you, do you, do you hear the same shit that it's like, you know, you've, or, or are you different? Do you not maybe try as many? Do you stick to your own? Uh, to me, I get it. I hear it all the time that, Hey, what's the point of trying all these different beers? If you're never going to go back and buy the same one again, you're just going to stick with trying the new thing every week. Um, I do like trying, uh, new beers, yeah. uh, especially from, from breweries that, uh, I know make good beer. Right. And there's a lot of them in Ontario. Yeah. And I don't think I've, hit all the breweries that I should in Ontario. I need to go on a road trip. Um, but uh, I do like trying new things. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, you, as a brewer, you go and you sample someone else's beer. Mm-hmm. And um, you're like, wow, this is really great. But you know what would be interesting? What if we did something where we changed this? Right. So it's sometimes, you know, it's inspiring to go and, you know, enjoy or try other people's beers. And then it's sometimes too, it's some, it's painful, right? We've all had those beers where you're like, wow, I just, I just drank a glass full of mud, you know, and <laughs> sure. it's, uh, you know, it's, I think that's part of the adventure, man. You don't know what you're going to get. And sometimes you'll take it on the chin and other times you're like, oh, this is, this is really great. It's epiphanal almost. Yeah. You know, it's like. Are you ever able to just enjoy a pint for what it is or does your brain always go to if I was doing this, I would have done that part differently or like, is it always seen as the, uh, through the eye of a brewer now, or can you ever just sit back and have a couple pints and not think about it? Oh, after about six, sure. I just <laughs> okay. drink them. That's it. That's just volume now. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I got into this as a, uh, as a way to, to, to cost cut and it, it turned out I was pretty good at it. So, but I mean, you know, if I'm at the brewery, I'm usually crushing Gutschmecken or, uh, Hans and DeHosen, right? which is a lager. And yep. I think um, I love my lager. I think I've made it really, really well. Yep. And uh, it's at a good percentage where, you know, I could just one, two, an hour for the whole day and, you know, I can still walk home. <laughs> Maybe not in a straight line, but I'll get there. <laughs> you know, it's... We had um, someone who's on this show fairly often. Her name's Michaela Schreider. She's a craft beer fan like myself and... Uh, has a show on TSN radio called She's Got Game, focuses on women's sports. If you're listening and you are into such things, make sure you check that out. She has said a few times, and I tend to agree with her, but I have a feeling you may be able to correct us or comment on the idea of, of pale ales. And an IPA is, is sort of what it is, but a pale ale without the eye seems to be a land where more experimenting happens. Or when you open a, p- a pale ale that you've never tried before, there's more room in a pale ale than almost anywhere else for interpretation or, oh, that's very different than the last pale ale I had. Do you buy into that at all? Or do you see a different style than, than that where there's more room for, for experimenting or change? It just felt like every time we would try a pale ale, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of room for what a pale ale might be. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of latitude. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look at the, uh, you look at the description, um, I don't, I haven't memorized it, but 
it, it really, you've got some guidelines in terms of this is how much alcohol, this is your typical grain bill, mm-hmm. but it's lar- your flavors are largely influenced by the hops and they don't specifically say, well, if you're making a, uh, a pale ale, uh, you should be using the, uh, you know, East Kent Golding hop with Citra. <laughs> you know, they don't, it, it, that's, when you get into pale ales, even in IPAs even too, like mm-hmm. they're... I always thought that the pale ale was like the little baby of, you know, a mama papa IPA, right? It's just lower alcohol. Right. You know, and then they came out with session IPA. Right. That was my feeling for that. But it's largely going to be determined by, you know, the hops that you're putting in there, you know. And, you know, you can tweak around with some of the grains and stuff like that. Like maybe you just want to make it a little bit more malty, you know, and you can do, like there's, there's a lot of latitude in that style. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. What we should do is we should have a craft beer podcast where... While I've got it, you know, because I drink beer pretty fast. Like I've got a, <laughs> I got a massive pile of beer from so many different breweries and just have like a, a big, and bring your other craft beer enthusiasts yeah. in here. And just bring this mixer right over to the, every time you're in, we talk about doing this. Now, to be fair, the last two years have been a total shit show. No one's yeah. been able to go and do anywhere, but we do talk about doing something even in the brewery and, and, uh, yeah, especially if you got, uh, we could do 24 beers. Yeah. Oh boy. And we'll do one ounce. Okay. uh, Well, let's break it down. You want to have like six people here, right? So we'll break it down into six uh, equal portions. Okay. And, uh, you know, six times whatever that, times 24, whatever that volume is, that's what you got to commit to. So don't bring a lightweight and you'd have to train, right? I figure you're already there. You're there. I I can, I can probably be all right. And like I said, I've mentioned your brewery is within stumbling distance from my, my condo. Like I can... (laughs) Yeah. I can find my way home. Or just bring a sleeping bag. Yeah, there you go. Just camp right out. I'm a little worried that you'll put us to work, right? No, it sounds no, like no. there's a lot going on in there to get these calendars ready too, right? It's... Let's do it after the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do anything right now. Just get the calendar done and then... Uh... When Andy arrived at the door here today, I said, how's it going? He's like, a little tired. A little tired. I was wondering if you were going <laughs> to have the energy for this, but but you've ra- you've rallied nicely. It's probably the beer. It is, yeah. There's lots of delicious calories in there that uh, gave me the uh, the second wind that I needed. Okay. But that was the other consequence of, of the pandemic. Like, we downsized our staff um, because we didn't know what was going to happen. And it, some of the way that we were selling beer, like, th- those staff, like, we're like, well, there's nothing else for you to do because we've closed down the whole front, right? Right. And now that things are opened um, and we can bring, you know, people into the front, uh, even though it's not great, we want to try and staff that. Mm-hmm. Now it's impossible to find people to come and work. What do you make of that? Because there's a lot of people, it depends whether you're, what side of the, the argument you fall on, I guess. But there's a lot of people saying like people just aren't ready to return to work. Some people are saying it's a money thing. Some people are, you know, just not feeling safe yet. Like what's your take on that? Because I've heard it in a bunch of, in the hospitality that people don't want to come back and be waiters or waitresses or... I think it's all of those things. I yeah. think it just depends. Like there's so many different types of people that are all going to have different concerns, right? And I think they're going to start getting lumped into certain groups of, you know, the, uh, this is my idea of why I'm not going back right. to work and this is my idea. Um, you know, normally for uh, bar staff, you know, you, you know, I, I looked on Indeed and, you know, the, the server wage was what, like 12.50 or something like that up to minimum wage, which is 14 and change plus mm-hmm. tips. So I said, okay, I'll hire someone. No problem. Yep. I'll pay seventeen fifty plus tips, which go. based on kind of the volume of, of traffic that we have at the front, you might get your twenty twenty one dollars an hour. Right. Couldn't get anybody. Wow. So I was like, oh wow. So anyway, I'm doing everything, and then uh, finally, um, you know, where I needed a lot of help was on deliveries, and um, there's a good lad, Trevor, 
who's part of our mountain biking group, he mm. said, I can come help you two days a week. So right. he's doing that yep. out of the kindness of his heart, but he's getting paid. Right. There you go. <laughs> you know, and um, work in the bar right now. I've got uh, a friend of mine, Scotty, um, and he's been a restaurant owner for over 20 years. Hmm. And he decided to get out of the business. And this might be another reason why it's it's harder for people to, to find people to staff. It's like, you know what? Restaurants are the most at risk, right? You get another pandemic, your whole life is thrown up in the air. It's going to be difficult to get income. And that was kind of his decision. He said, you know what? I'm going back to school. I'm reinventing myself, you know, and uh, he's on a new career path. But while he's doing his education, um, he's helping out at the bar when he can. Mm. And so that sort of fills in the gap. And, you know, it's uh, we're, we're operating a little bit on some like, one part-time employee and a lot of volunteer help until we can find people to populate those positions. Right. You know, it's interesting. I'm, su- I'm surprised, honestly, I, I would have thought by now there'd be more people ready to, especially like a lot of the talk early on was the different government supports that had come out, right. Were enough for people to be comfortable staying at home. I think most of those at this point have sort of subsided, have they not? Like it. Yeah. I mean, those have kind of withered. Yeah. They've withered. Um, I, I think some of them have just changed names, but are probably a bit more harder to attain. Right. Sure. Because I think all the governments have realized that, well, we can't have an economy <laughs> if we don't have businesses succeeding with, you know, because they don't have employees. Right. So everything's sort of, I don't know. It's all up in the air. But I mean, we're, like I said, I've got a good bunch of friends and volunteers and I've got one employee. There you go. You know, it's all coming, it's all coming together. (laughs) So before we wind this one down, this is the unlabeled can. This is the unmarked can. Um, I mentioned a little while ago that uh, a couple weeks ago I'd walked down to the brewery to try the uh, the Lunenburg Harvest Ale. Um, Picked up a couple of those, had a couple things sitting out on the, the little deck you've built out front. Then I came in, and as I was chatting with you, you started, uh, you were talking about something that had me all kinds of intrigued, all kinds of excited, all kinds of interested. So tell me about this. And first of all, is it in the calendar? It could possibly It could possibly be, be in, in the, the calendar. calendar. So what is this unmarked can I'm about to crack into here? This is a stout. Okay. Um, and it's our... It's our perfectum beer, mm-hmm. but what we had done is we aged it on toasted coconut uh, for a period of time, <laughs> and then we got some... So it's perfectum meets Mr. Brown almost. But better. Okay, okay. And this is the, uh, the, the trifecta here is we'd gotten some, um, I think it's the nth degree, their espresso from Equator. Okay. Uh, we made some cold brew and then we blended it with the beer. And so it's our toasted coconut espresso beer, uh, soon to be released, um, via retail, probably mid December. And the name we came up with for the beer was tears of a Sasquatch. (laughs) And I don't even know why. Well, on our Perfectum canon, this is, you go back to the stout itself. I mean, we have the silhouette of a Sasquatch. Right. And it's not an exciting story, but it, it's honest. Uh, I remember I was having a hard time coming up with uh, something to put on the label, something, you know, um, that people would identify with and that you could hashtag that was popular. Right. Right. To suck people in. Sure. 
And I was drinking, and then I started, you know, going down the old wormhole of YouTube, and I started watching uh, Sasquatch videos. <laughs> you know, do they exist? Don't they exist? And I was pretty drunk, and I was like, man, it'd be awesome if Sasquatch exist. And I thought, I'm putting a Sasquatch on this can. Yeah. That's it. And the next morning, I said to my wife, so here's the new can label. She says, what does that have to do with anything? It's because I like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why that's there. <laughs> Sasquatch. And you can't tell me Sasquatch doesn't exist until, well, meet my brother-in-law. Sasquatch okay. exists. Okay. I say some mean things about my brother-in-law on this <laughs> podcast. I don't know if they're the same or, uh, or whatever. But So I always liked the Perfectum, but it seemed like it kind of disappeared for a while. Like it, 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 I'd come in and I didn't know if you weren't really brewing it or... We were, and it's, you know, it's, a, it's very popular every time that we do and... Um, it, I really need to get another tank or two at the brewery. Like it's, I like to chase the dollar signs because yeah. that's what uh, that's what keeps me in mountain bikes and my kids into <laughs> right. gaming computers. Sure, but um, it's just uh, good business. Well, the, the stout does sell well, right? Um, but compared to some of the you know the lighter fare that we do, right? Or the lighter colored beers, anyway, it's it doesn't do as well. Okay. But for me, I love it. I could drink stouts all day. Yeah, you know. But uh, well, I, I keep taking shit on Twitter because I keep saying. It's stout season now that fall has set back in, right? And everybody just keeps it. Every season is stout season. Like, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Stop being so aggressive. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember doing uh, uh, brewery tours in the summer, and I'd be, people are like, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a stout. Yeah. Well, and that for the fall? Uh, for simples. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Someone and I a- will drink stouts all summer. They're just harder to find, right? It seems like a lot of breweries, seasonally speaking, go into sours or things like that throughout the the summer, right? I I don't know if that's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy that people aren't drinking stouts because more breweries aren't making stouts often enough in the summer. Yeah, I would like to cycle it more often. I mean, like, so here's my predicament. I got 120 cans left of uh, Perfectum and I have only five more cases left of this magical stout you're drinking. Okay. You know, and uh, my tanks are locked down for the next six weeks. So, making other beer. So, the stout will, I'm going to see, maybe, I've got like a little 500 liter tank. Maybe I'll just, I don't use it often. I use it for blending. Maybe I'll just pop it in there, right? Sure. Just keep rolling it in the little yeah. mini tank. But the thing that sucks about that is that the price per liter, and I won't change the price of the beer, but the thing is, it's one of those where if I make it on that tank, then it just means, you know, it's, I'm doing it at break even. Right. Okay. Just to, yeah. and I'll probably do it because I, I do like drinking a lot of stouts. So. Are you a coffee guy? Do you drink coffee? Oh, yeah. Okay. See, I don't drink coffee at all. Don't like hot beverages of any kind, but like these sort of cold brew stouts or lots of different coffee or espresso stouts, I'm, I'm all in. Like, I love them. They're whatever, but there's something to a coffee on its own. I got no time for. This is nice. This is exactly what you described while we were sitting in the, in the brewery there the other day. Um, what is the, I, you, you've explained the name, or but what's the genesis of this beer? Is it just sort of again experimenting, or I've had a lot of, and so maybe you can tell me because um, you've had you drink the Mister Brown's Gone Coconut. Oh yeah, and originally when we made it, we did it as a little bit of you know just uh, a larf. Okay, you know Mister Brown's Gone Coconut. Like we went to our very first beer festival. It was a Lansdowne Park. And we thought, oh, we need something really interesting, right? Because sure. we had a blonde, a brown, and an IPA. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, one of our investors, who looks like a garden gnome, uh, had said, well, what if uh, we had a coconut beer? And I was like, well, what if we had a coconut beer? Right. So I have a subscription to Epicurious, and I like to cook and all the rest. And, and when he had mentioned that, in Epicurious, they're saying, coconut, that's it. That's This is the food of the season. So I was like, oh, coconut's popular. Let's put it into the beer. Mm-hmm. So I went and got some coconut extract. Right. And I just added it to the brown ale. Right. You know, into the keg. And rolled it around, and we brought it to the uh, to the, the festival, and we couldn't we couldn't make enough of it. <laughs> People lost their minds, and it was the first festival we went to, and we got best in show, the only award that I ever got, because and I didn't even I didn't even apply to it. It was just it was a people's choice thing. Okay, I got this little plaque that. Uh, we used to hang in the bathroom over the toilet because that's what I think of awards. <laughs> but then uh, my wife told me it wasn't appropriate, so now it's behind the bar. Okay. But uh, they said, okay. But the thing is for me, when we originally made it with the extract, and people loved it. Yep. You know, either you loved it or you hated it. So if you loved it, you're like, oh, my God, it's okay. okay yep. And other people are like, oh, it tastes like suntan lotion. It's like, okay, well. So I would never have said cheaper. that to you because. This is cheaper. <laughs> because you're the brewer and whatever. But that is exactly what my one cousin said to me when we were out one night. I'm like, you have to try this. It's amazing. And his, his that was suntan lotion. He's like, this is drinking suntan lotion. I'm like, it's not. Like, what's your fucking problem? Like, we're, probably, we're probably putting the same coconut extract into the beer that you would put into lotion. That's my suspicion. <laughs> and for me, I just like, I don't like using extracts. A lot of, like, for all the flavors in all of our beers, except for Mr. Brown has gone coconut at that time. Right. Everything was natural. It's either hops or it's, you know, real coffee or it's whatever. Sure. It's pureed fruits that we ferment into the beer. But Mr. Brown's coconut was just something we did ad hoc real quick because we thought we needed something to to get some attention. We were a new brewery, first festival, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it turned out that people actually liked that. So anyway... Come to about two years ago, I was like, you know what? I, I have a, pr- and it's always bothered me putting extract in a beer. Right. So I said, I'm going to try and change the recipe. And what I started to do was take toasted coconut and, you know, do it like a dry hop, add it to the beer just near the end of fermentation and let, let the flavor age in from actually shredded toasted coconut. Okay. You know, and... And what I've been getting since I've done that from a lot of people that have always bought the coconut before, they're like, doesn't, doesn't taste coconutty anymore. I absolutely noticed the change. It's more (laughs) subtle. It's more subtle than the, the extract I think was more powerful maybe or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I thought, me personally, I thought that the new coconut has a bit more of a, like a decadent, more... More like a, a a dessert flavor of coconut, not so much a powerful boom. That's right. Days, right. No, I think that's right. I think there is a little more richness to it or something, but it is less punch you in the face coconut. It is. It's it's a noticeable change. And so here now I'm posed with a problem. I'm sold out of the coconut and kegs <laughs> and all the rest. And craft, craft at lands. They were like, uh, we would like some more of that coconut beverage. I'm like, oh. Well, I've got five fingers. It's <laughs> so also a nice just, little beer. Yeah. Well, just put some uh, extract of that and yeah. pull that down to the yeah. There. Then you can go back to the original. <laughs> the ori- and maybe what I'll do is I'll rebrand it. Uh, the original recipe. Okay. <laughs> Coca-Cola classic and Mr. Yeah, Brown classic. Somewhere the lazy brewer, you know, <laughs> the lazy brewer recipe. <laughs> so... 
that's the genesis of this. That was. Oh, so this was when, the long road, long oh, way yeah, around to the, went on a the genesis there, of this so beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's all right. That's what we do here. Um, well, I wanted to do something. I wanted to. So, have you ever had Foundry's uh, Canadian breakfast beer or whatever like that? It's I like, don't it's think a I have. Three hundred forty-one mil bottle, and it's eighteen thousand dollars, and <laughs> oh, everybody no. loses their mind when it comes to, to Canada and the LCBO. <laughs> and it's like, it's like you look at the list of ingredients. It's like. Maple syrup, there's female bacon, there's dead squirrel, there's like mm, all these things lovely. in there. And it's so, everyone claims it's so balanced and you have to try this. And oh my God, it's amazing. Right. My rule of thumb has always been, and this is what I try to do this out, is a trifecta. Just three things. Mm-hmm. Take three things, but like blend them and balance them into the beer and just make it taste good. Right. Right. And that should be enough. You don't have to have all these other crazy things in there. Yep. And so with this, we wanted to take the stout and uh, I think toasted coconut, I like that flavor. I do too. Yeah. Obviously. And I love coffee. I said, let's bring these three things together and see if I can balance it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that with this one, like uh, as, a, as a first sort of kick of the can, it was like, you know, if I were to do it again, I don't have that many notes to say that this is what we really need to change to make it better. I think this, it came out better than I thought it would. Like it. I don't have to change anything. And I'm super stoked with kind of how that uh, came together. Does that happen often? Or is it normally, oof, okay. Um, First run wasn't great. I need to fix this or that. Or It's kind of like engineering, you know? It's like, that's ah, pretty good. Yeah. Let's close the gap. Right. Like it's never a big gap. It's usually, but I think with, with fooling around a lot of the time with doing things with, you know, uh, additives, like whether it's your coconut, your espresso or purees and all this, Having enough experience with all these other different things and looking back historically at the recipes, you could say, well, this is what worked well over here. So if we're going to do this on a new beer, let's maybe add a little bit more. And then as you start creating like these new, you know, new beers, Mm -hmm. you're like, uh, you're closer to where you want to be because you've got enough historical data to say that this is, this was pretty good, but it could have been better had you add maybe a little bit more. Sure. You know what I mean? So this, I thought that yeah, I was pretty happy it came out this way. And as we make sort of, even the last few little creative products that we've made it, um, especially with some of our sours, uh, where we've done a lot of playing, um, you know, first, first kick at the can has always been a real, real delight, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, no. So hit us with this one again, the name of this one, cause it's new. What, and it's, it, it may or may not pop up in people's calendars, but, uh. Uh, we're, this one will be called Tears of a Sasquatch. That's right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so I've been working on the label, <laughs> you know, in my spare time as I've been drinking and, uh, it'll be quite handsome. Is, um, as we come back around full circle here to the calendar, um, I meant to ask you earlier and, and sort of forgot what has been the, one of the big things that happened, I, you'll be able to, to tell me whether it was last year or the year before, I forget getting in with the beer store to help distribute. What's the percentage been like in terms of how many sell, you know, have sold this year through the beer store versus through your channels and, and getting online and having the other breweries kind of help promote it that way? Um, since we've been in the beer store, we usually see about a third of the calendars will move through the beer store. Right. Um, and they they would all sell out and then the beer stores would be like, can we have more? And then we'd be like, no. No, you cannot. Um. Yeah. We don't have more. Yeah, we're done. Right. We're done. 
They like the product. We were going to do a uh, 12 beers of Christmas. Okay. Not of our own beers. It's nothing like a Whitewater thing where they do 12 of their own beers. We were going to work with a couple of their breweries and maybe grab two or three cans from each of them, like four breweries, and put them in. But uh, this is... uh, the calendar this year has exhausted <laughs> the limited staff and my wife and myself. Uh, I think when we get through this, um, I'm going to get out the broom, sweep the floor in the brewery, because that's where we do all the assembly. Um, and then I'm going to turn off the lights. and That'll be it for a bit. That's all we're doing. We're just, I'm going to go back to brewing and drinking. <laughs> that's it. In past years on your social media feeds, some of the photos that have been posted of the assembly line, basically, or whatever, and there's just stacks and stacks of, I mean, you're creating 1,500 two-fours. Like, I can't possibly imagine what that so, looks like. Yeah, each week, each week during the, uh, the, the heat of this, we would have 21 cases of beer from uh, 23 breweries, not including ours. Because our beer is already there. Sure. Delivered. And each week we're packaging everything so we get that beer off the floor. Right. So that usually later in the week or on the weekend, um, I could do some brewing and canning. So, and that's pretty much what we've been doing. Um, Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Honestly. So this, you know, we've talked throughout this show about how the world has changed and you have less staff than usual and you know, how exhausting this process has been. We're not in jeopardy of, of losing this thing, are we? This is going to continue? This is... this. You know, it's, like I said, less staff, more volunteers. Um, I think the assembly of the calendar uh, is a lot more fluid. It's smoother um, because of the way of the, the, that we've gone with the, uh, the unique labels. Right. That, uh, you know, we'll do a little bit of a review meeting once this is done and then look at, okay, where were some of the choke points in terms of uh, assembling these things and what can we do to streamline it uh, even more? So one of the fun things I did today, and I thought this was one of the best brainstorms I've had in a long time, is when I'm packing, I have little cardon rollers and you roll by the beer with you know, two boxes on your trolley and you just load the beers in as you go. Right. And, you know, I always want to have a very happy, fun, you know, uh, work environment. But the thing that I found is that, you know, I put my beer at the end of the line. I thought, okay, I, I get through, I make two boxes, return to the start of the line and have a sip of beer. I was like, well, it'd be much better if I had a cup holder on my cart. <laughs> so I had a bunch of old... Uh, bottle holders from bikes. Yeah, okay. And I screwed them onto the carts. <laughs> so today, I said, this is fantastic. What a, I implemented this genius idea. Of more efficient drinking. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, well, what if I, it's, as you get older, I'm 47. I know you're probably saying, stop it, Andy. You can't be older than 32. Obviously, like, yeah. You be quiet. What are you after? <laughs> as you get older, you know, working on concrete, you know, floors. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot out of you. And so I call these medicinal beers, (laughs) you know, because they tend to take away a little bit of the ache and pain, you know, of doing like eight hours of packing. Yeah. It's like the CBD that people are all about these days. Right. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's too easy. Yeah. Oh, you want to have a pint or two instead or six or. Yeah. I don't want to waste away to nothing. You know, (laughs) I want to make sure I'm calorie neutral. 
I've like what ten thousand steps on my pedometer. Yeah, I want to have at least ten beers, right? Is that <laughs> that's about right? I think that math adds up. I like that. <laughs> um, I was thinking when you came in because in the last few years they've been sold out. So I was going to drop this episode. I was going to save it and put it out on December first, as people were getting you know their first day of. Uh, you know, off the calendars for people who have it. Cause I do get a lot of messages, a lot of feedback saying that it's a nice companion listen as people start their calendars. Um, but since there are some still available, I'll try and we'll get this out this week in case people want to catch some more. Are they still in beer stores or is the website the best way if people want to lay their hands on these quick, if they haven't had it yet or haven't got theirs yet? Uh, if they're in the Ottawa area, uh, we'll keep, putting them into the beer stores. And for, there's been some beer stores, like Eagleson's been phenomenal. Like, it just keeps, like, give me more. There's one yeah. corner of town that's just loving this. this yeah. Is, yeah. Well, it's, it's for them, I think it's a new one, right? So right. it's, uh, in uh, Orleans has always been amazing in terms of, like, uh, grinding it out. It seems like East and West are amazing. It's, uh, they're not uh, rolling out as fast. Uh, in the as middle in the of parts of town, yeah. But I suspect that, uh, well, it's a suspicion again. It's, uh, we have a lot of government workers that aren't coming to the core anymore. Right. That would have grabbed it on their way home. Right. That now they're out in the suburbs, likely where they live. In Barhaven, too, has actually been, uh, we've been supporting them uh, with extra cases. So big in the burbs. It's tough in the core. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. big in the burbs. All right. The us beer drinkers, it's tough. Keep that core. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, it's one muscle now. Yeah. It's beautiful muscle. Um, I'm not sure what thing, how things are going into the, uh, the out of town stuff like Kingston, Toronto and stuff like that. But we are in Kingston at, I think it's the Midland Street Beer Store. Uh, and then there's a couple in Toronto. But, I mean, we've got some Facebook ads that we've been pumping saying these are the places you can buy them at beer stores, trying mm-hmm. to get people out and active. Um, we're still uh, encouraging people to uh to come to the brewery which is interesting like people are like no no i know we just live around the corner but we'd much prefer to have it delivered i'm like fair enough hey fair enough hey um that's me man <laughs> <laughs> now i had five of them so i wasn't yeah. carrying those oh, that that's was a little different. That's different i'm gonna let you borrow my trolley you could have walked them that's home true. it has well your poor it must have been trevor orders. you mentioned earlier your poor delivery guy he said that uh you showed up here and he's like uh we forgot to put the hand truck on the on the truck, so there was no uh, cart to bring them all up in one trip. We had to go down. That's how he stays fit, though. Yeah, <laughs> he's just beautiful. He's, he's a good dude. Yeah, he's a good lad. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it, if people want to do it, that's it's check your local beer stores, but also I think it's need another beer. Is that right? Dot com. Need, a, need another beer to get that through. Um, uh, is that going to be available delivery. still online? That's for a bit. It still is. Yeah, and I think it can be um, hard to get it by the first, but. Well, I mean, what we found too late, is uh, even though sales are a little slower, I mean, we'll still uh, send it out like we're doing a flat rate, 15 bucks for next day delivery. Okay. Um, we'll keep it going a little bit into December because what we'd found uh, is we still had people calling like mid-December saying, do you have any of those calendars? Like, okay. Take yeah. So I think that the, the product will exhaust itself. We'll, the inventories will exhaust themselves. It's a little bit slower than it was... Um, you know, over the last, compared to the last few years. But, uh, I mean, times are changing. Yep. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. We'll get rid of them. And all our brewery partners will be happy. And Well, I've, it, it's been fun this year, especially, you know, around our social media feeds even. I've gotten a couple messages, a couple tags saying, you know, 
every year I've or the last year or two I've missed out on this, but listening to tall can audio they're talking about each each day that we do a show, we're hearing like I'm not missing out this year. And I was going back and forth with a couple of different people. Like I treated it like Ticketmaster, right? Like a, the new tragically hip tour or whatever was about to say, no, I, whatever day it was, you guys put these on sale October 1st, where I was like, no, I'm getting on there and whatever. And we got messages from listeners saying, did the same, got mine, not missing out this year. Not, uh, oh, right on. so it's, it's fun, right? And it's a cool thing. And, and you do, it, it's hard to keep track. Like you guys should start putting, and it's a little late. Maybe uh, you should let me sit in on some of your planning meetings, but like a hashtag on the box or something, because there's like Ontario craft advent, there's hashtag, you know, Ontario beer calendar, there's hashtag Ontario holiday calendar, there's hashtag Nita calendar. <laughs> and so it's hard to keep track of everybody's, but that's half the fun, right? Is seeing every day what different people are thinking about, about this beer. And there's kind of a sense of community that goes on with these uh, through the that Ontario kind of craft beer group. And there's lots of people, obviously, that I follow that are getting it outside this show. But it's it, it's become a fun thing with our listenership that uh, obviously is into the craft beer scene that, that starts sending us pictures and, and stuff like that as they're cracking into these things. It's it's become a pretty cool little tradition around, uh, around the craft beer world in this province, I think. And I think that... Uh it, it will keep doing this because it's a lot of fun for us, even though November is probably the hardest month of our year Yeah, to try and coordinate everything. Yeah. But uh, it's it's a lot of fun. And I think that's a great idea is to sort of say, let's take control of, let's say, the hashtag. Yep. So people know where to tune in. Yeah. yeah we that, can all be on the same page talking about this thing. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we get lots of good advice. And uh, I think what I need to do is... Uh, Hire that person that can manage my social media for me. That's that's on my radar. Yeah. I need a marketing person. <laughs> me too. I'm awful at social media. I love it. I'm on it way too often, but I'm not good at it. <laughs> like, I don't, it's not been something that uh, that I've been traditionally strong at. But tell people where on social media they can find the brewery, uh, and then maybe even geographically, in case there are people willing to venture out of their homes. Uh, where can they find Nita? Well, if you want to uh, visit us online, it's... Uh, www.nitabeer.com uh, and nitabeer is n-i-t-a-b-e-e-r.com and if you want to come and visit us uh, here in Ottawa we're at uh, 190 Colonnade Road Unit 17 and uh, since I have no employees really I'm always there so you can come and say hi to me and uh, I probably need a break so I'll sit down and I'll have a beer with you <laughs> that's true when I went in there um, had to identify myself and I forgot I'm like I'm I was annoyed that Andy didn't remember me. I'm like, oh, I'm wearing a mask. Right? <laughs> you kind of forget it's become such a part of our world at this point. It's <laughs> it's not often I look deeply into people's eyes, but now because of the pandemic, I've done that more often, and uh, I can see your soul. All right. I kind of wish I hadn't brought this up. That's, that's a weird thing to say, right? Uh, also on social media at Nita Beer Co., I believe, on most of your uh, platforms there. Oh, yeah, that's right. And uh, Neat, Need Another Beer. Yes is uh, the best place to go to get those calendars, which is N-I-T-A-N-O-T-H-E-R-B-E-E-R.com. Why is that? Why is there a separate Oh, website? stupid AGCO. Okay. Don't even get Just, just rules yeah. and regulations and laws and shit. All right. Yeah. We'll okay. share all these links in the show notes when this is ep- uh, posted. That'll be at tallcanaudio.com. If you're looking for these social media links or the, uh, the calendar links, we'll make sure they're all easy to find on our social media feeds. And like I said... In the show notes at tallcanaudio.com. Andy, this is one of my favorite shows to do every year. Um, you know, you, you, you 
you're always generous enough to come in with your time, more generous to come in with your beer. We love that. Uh, <laughs> love any guest who brings beers to the uh, to the podcast. But, uh, you know, you've been a part of, uh, of what we're doing around here since like 2017 um, when we had that Grey Cup week. And then the next year you fired up these calendars and it's been a hit ever since. We love when you come by and make some time for us, man. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for thanks for inviting me. I just always appreciate people that will sit and drink with me and listen to my, my ramblings and my rantings. You know, to do that alone, I mean, I've been told that's a problem. When this comes out, <laughs> tears, of a sas- uh, tears of Sasquatch, tears of a Sasquatch. Tears of a Sasquatch. You're going to want to lay your hands on this, guys. This is, this is a matte beer for sure. Uh, I'm going to make sure I get my hands on some more before this gets posted and other people start getting in my way for ordering it. Uh, we'll wind this one down here. We are on social media at Tall Can Audio. The archives and the show notes all go up at tallcanaudio.com. For Andy Nita, my name is Matt Robinson. We'll see you all next time. Get your calendar. It is over. Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.